And I think a lot of people who go into it completely blind really think, well, this is the most misogynist movie I've ever seen. Right. But stick it out, because it is not. He's got that face you just want to punch. <laughs> but... It had the cast, it had very positive reviews, it had good word of mouth from everybody that did see it, yeah. but yet no one really went to see it. No. Okay, right here, if we were still using theme songs, we'd probably be going with Pink Floyd's Dog. That's right, we would. <laughs> not Who Let the Dogs Out. No. No, not at all. We're going to talk about dogs today. Welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from madwolf.com. Where did we get the idea to talk about dogs? I think that might actually be our own idea. Really? I don't. I'm not sure I stole that from anybody, Woo-hoo. but... Uh, I know that uh, uh, Pink Paradox is all about it. She's very excited about the dogs. We're going to do cats, too, but we're going to do cats and associated with a, with one of our live podcasts yeah. because of a movie that we're showing. Okay, so. cool. So we're, we're splitting them up. Well, here's the crazy thing. Actually, the sad story. You have never had a dog. I love dogs. As a pet. I love dogs. Yeah. I mean, I've always never wanted had one. never one. No, growing up, so as you know, we're the youngest of six children. My parents were tired of children, let alone pets, by the time they had <laughs> uh, my twin sister and me. So we were not allowed to have pets when we were little. Yeah. You and I have always lived in apartments. The best right. we could do for a while when our son was little was a cat. We did have a cat, Zappa, right. which right. was literally the only pet I have ever had in my life is that cat i want a dog so bad i want a dog so bad george and uh, for a long time we never thought about it because of our jobs and and everything and we we were because of the movies at night we're never ever home but now i work from home and i'm like well we're getting a dog but we don't own our house unfortunately yeah we don't own the house and we're not allowed to get one right now we will one day when i was growing up we had a few dogs uh, here and there, but uh, that's that's a sad story. I like, is it Baron? Is that the one that you had to hide? Uh, you yes. had to like hide dog treats because it was so big for you to be yes. all Flintstones I, excited when you got home and yeah. knock you down because you were was, little. When I was a little kid, <laughs> we had a gigantic Saint Bernard named Baron, and it would it would jump on me so bad when I was usually the first one home, and it would jump on me, and it's it was huge, and I was not, and uh, I would hide little dog biscuits or whatever dog treats, so I'd throw one, and as, as went to chase one, I could get in the house. Nice. Yeah. I uh, love that story. It was, yeah, it was a great dog. We actually actually had to give it away to a farmer because it really was too big for, like, the suburbs, the city. Uh, it was just, it was humongous. But a cool dog. So, yeah, play the violins for Hope. She never had the, the pet. She never uh, all, had. Uh, five siblings, they all have dogs. Everybody but me and my family has yeah. a dog. Well, you and your sister, your twin sister. She's Joy a... has a dog. Oh, she does now. Yes, they are. But growing up. As adults, yeah. they all have dogs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's got Sunny. Yeah, That's she does. Right. We love Sunny. Okay, so, well, we'll move past that sadness. In fact, I think you can draw on it. You can, <laughs> you know, use it as motivation <laughs> as we talk about these scary dogs. And before we do that, we want to say thanks to the turnout and thanks to the uh, feedback that we got for vehicular horror. Yeah. And we actually had some some good feedback because we had one big one that, we forgot, or did we intentionally leave it off? No, here's the thing, as you know, so we did vehicular horror, and there were so, so, so many that we sort of subcategorized. So we did one uh, that was an airplane, and one that was a car chase, and one that was cars, and blah, blah, blah. And the fact of the matter is, I had always had maximum overdrive in the long list, but it really fits in almost everything because it's got, uh, like, every all manner of, mm-hmm. of machinery. And then I just never wound up sliding it in. It wasn't going to make the top five at all because... But we'd have mentioned it. Yes. Yeah. I should have men- I should have mentioned it. And right away, I mean, I don't even think the, the movie was over and people were like, where's Maximum Overdrive? <laughs> so I... So yeah. And, and Monty said it first and then Old Man Spencer right away was, was all in agreement. And I apologize. And especially just for that truck, just yeah. for that goblin truck. It should have yeah. been on there. Yep. Yeah. And the ACDC tunage. Oh yeah. That's cool. Uh, and also Death Race 2000. No, that's uh, right, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Tom was hoping to see that. That's a good one, too. <laughs> Is yeah. that a horror movie? 
movie. Although I did, I I did include a lot of films that are technically not horror films. So yeah, and it's fun. I remember seeing that. Oh yeah, uh, the Carpenter one. Not in, the, uh, they remade that. Remember that? With, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Statham, right? Was Jason Statham in it? I think so. Yeah. No, I remember seeing the original Joan Allen back at the uh, the cruise in uh, when I was a kid. Wow. Uh, the drive. Yeah, it was a double feature with I don't know what all. I don't know what all. But uh, probably carload night, and we crammed everybody in the car and went out there. So, yeah, so there's a couple of omissions, not malicious omissions. No. So. No, there was a, we covered a lot. I, yeah. And actually, I, what I don't think we did was thank Paul. It was his idea forever ago, probably two years ago. He, he said, we should do a planes, trains, and automobiles mm-hmm. one. And I thought, that's a great idea. So, and I, I didn't thank him last time we were there. So Okay, well, thanks, Paul. And also, before we forget, thanks to Jordan, our friend Jordan. He put a real nice post on his social media just recommending the Fright Club podcast to everybody for the Halloween season just to check out all the, the old episodes find out what uh, interests you and it was really really nice so thank you Jordan as we look forward to the next episode of Fright Club Live which is November the 13th. We're going to show the 2006 movie Them or Ill. Oh yes, yes. Uh, which is such an incredibly yeah. tense cat and mouse movie I'm very excited and, to see it. And pretty quick. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I think it's only eighty minutes long. Yeah. And we're going to talk about traveling abroad because that is a very yeah. that is a fertile topic in horror. Yes, yes, indeed. So that'll be November thirteenth, Gateway Film Center, Columbus, Ohio. Make it if you can as we uh, turn our attention to the dogs, the pooches, the puppies uh, in scary <laughs> movies. And we've got oh, we do have six, don't we? We have we do. Uh, fuzzy math. So. You want to start out right there at number six. This is, uh, boy, one of our favorite uh, movies all around from 2011 when a successful country lawyer captures and attempts to civilize the last remaining member of a violent clan that has roamed the northwest coast for decades. He puts the lives of his family in jeopardy. It's the woman. This is our project, and it's a secret. What are we going to do with her? We're going to help her. Train her, civilize her, free her from herself, from her baser instincts. Do you really think we should be doing this? Do we really get to keep her? We do. I'm not saying that that movie description is inaccurate. It is technically <laughs> accurate. It's just so funny that it makes it seem as if he's the hero. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lighthearted romp. <laughs> yeah, actually this is, and we've, we've talked about it before, it has a really dark, comedic, subversive streak about it. Does. It does. It really does. Especially with Chris Cleek. Yes. Uh, he's, that, his face, you ju- it's got one of those faces, and he's great, don't get me oh, wrong. Oh, he's so great. The actor and his name is... Uh, J- uh, Sean Bridgers? Yeah, Sean Bridgers. He's got that face you just want to punch. But, <laughs> I mean, in this movie especially, it's, so it's always smirking. Oh, yeah. You know, he's just going to be the, I'm in charge here. That's I'm the right. man among all these women, and I'm going to, you're my pet now. Yeah. And, uh, oh, you just want to strangle him. But it's perfect for this for this part. It is. And, and it's, it's one of the reasons it has this really dark, comedic streak about it. And it's a film that, if you haven't seen it, I mean, it, it takes some getting used to, and I think a lot of people who go into it completely blind really think, well, this is the most misogynist movie I've ever seen. Right, it's and, not. And it's that's the point. It's trying to but but stick it out, because it is not. And Pollyanna McIntosh, of course, who we adore, is the woman. But the reason that this made this list, and I, you know what, I actually think this, as many times as we've talked about this movie, I don't think we've ever discussed the dog before. Right, which is sort of... Um, 
you want to tiptoe around yeah, it a little because bit. it can be spoiler territory. Yeah, because which... it's not one of those. It's not like it's a 40-year-old film. Right, I mean, it came right, out this right. decade, and it's not one that that many people have seen, and so we hate to spoil it. Right. Which makes it tough, but when they, <laughs> you know, it's funny, they talk about the dog periodically throughout the movie in, like, sort of this family Did conversation. The dog? Right, the, yeah. the son, who's also great, Zach Rand, he is so good. You know, nobody ever wants to feed the dog, and all of a sudden... Once they have the woman out in the shed, Zach Rand wants to go. He wants to feed the dog. Oh, I haven't spent any time with the dog. They just keep talking about it. And then, you know, in the last reel of the film, you're introduced to the dog yeah. while the teacher is. And yeah. you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, that's, I guess, as far as we'll go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. Because we talked about it before before we started taping. Yeah. Like, how committed to our right, to And right. I just you think you're right. We shouldn't spoil it because not enough people have seen the movie. Yeah, and then the dog is involved in the in the finale as well. Yes. Um, so maybe that's a good reason why it's just number six, right. you know, outside uh, the top five here. So, but if you haven't seen it and you don't know what we're talking about, we urge you, for not not just for that, but no. for many reasons. Yeah, for many reasons. To, we uh, love that movie. To, to see the woman from 2011. So we'll leave it at that. But actually you had a couple of others written down here as far as dogs as important characters, characters in the story. Yeah, they, they don't, like, stand for something. It's not just, oh, it's a scary dog or, mm-hmm. you know. And there are a couple that I think are really worth mentioning. Crawl. Yeah. Everybody loves that dog. I yeah. mean, you love Sugar. Was that his yeah. name? Which is just out. Crawl is just out on a home video this week. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about it on our other podcast, The Screening Room, uh, about the new home video releases. And we really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, it's certainly not the greatest movie in the world, but it's a nice Fun creature feature. It's taught about the action. You do have to suspend some disbelief, but yeah, there's a great dog character. There is. You yeah. love him, and and the or sugar, and the whole time <laughs> it's like you know every time you you see the gators, you're like, we're sugar, is sugar okay? <laughs> I love that dog. And then also, oh, the raw. There's oh, a point yeah. in the movie raw where that dog just looks at the sisters like, are you seriously doing this to me? And you're like. <laughs> I guess he's gonna get the. He's getting screwed out of this one. This yeah. is a bad, and the whole family knows it's not true. But that poor dog. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it wasn't enough for him to get his own slot. But I felt like he deserved. Yeah. He deserved to mention that poor dog. Definitely, De- two uh, two movies worth checking out. Yes, uh, and great dog characters, Crawl and Raw. So we'll move uh, from fuzzy math right up to the top five. The one at number five in our scary dogs countdown from 1983. It's a friendly St. Bernard. We just talked about one. I had That's one. That's right. It's no, barren. It's not barren. This one uh, contracts rabies and conducts a reign of terror on a small American town. Of course, it's Cujo. Nothing that lives in the imagination is more frightening than the terror that lives in Castle Rock, Maine. Cujo? a new name for terror. Cujo. Now, in talking about this one, it's it starts a theme that is going to carry over through a lot of these movies. In filming it, the biggest problem they had was that the dogs, the real dogs they used, were just too friendly. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, especially in this movie, because it's a small child, yeah. right? It's <laughs> that's, that's in the in in peril in this film that uh, that you do hire a very sweet dog. But it's so hard not to get the dog's tail wagging. Exactly in right. In the scenes. Yeah. In, in fact, they uh, well, they had five St. Bernards that they used. One mechanical head. 
and a guy in a dog costume. But yeah, the real St. Bernards were much too friendly, and they did. They they had to tie the tails down to their legs because they'd constantly be wagging the tail. Although, as you just mentioned, there are times where it was missed in the editing room, and you do see especially some shots from behind. Yeah attacks that the dog is wagging the tail. And... I'm so happy to be attacking these people right now. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And then I think the other thing with this one, as you've mentioned before, they use caro syrup to, to create the foam. Yeah. You know, and the dogs are all just licking their because, I mean, why would you? It's just this sweet goop all over their faces. Yeah, and they had to do things like to, to make most of the St. Bernards they used attack the car. They put their favorite dog toys inside the car. They were talking, come on, come on. So then, you know, when they're attacking the car, they're all in play mode. So, yeah, they, 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 did, they did have some challenges there. And not that it, you can, you can kind of tell. You can. Besides the, the tail wagging that got through. But still, that's one case where you'll just have to go with it. Because there are some scares. In fact, this has, features one, at least in some interviews, that Stephen King himself has said he thinks it's one of the best scares in all of the movie adaptations of his work. It's when the first time when Cujo first leaps at the passenger window of yeah, the car. Yeah. Kind of gets everybody's attention. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, it's a pinto. So it, even, it is you a know, pinto. And so you know you're like, that well that dog is bigger than that car. So you're in trouble <laughs> uh, there. You know, and then oh. Dee Wallace is always, you know, she's just she's very reliable in these types of movies. She does a great job of making you believe this yeah. character because it's like she doesn't think she's better than the material. She's absolutely, I am this unfaithful wife in this shitty car and my husband's out of town and I'm not really happy with my life right now and everything is a pain in the ass and everything is on her last nerve and then she's like oh my god, look, mm -hmm. this is much more important. <laughs> There's a massive dog trying to eat my son and me. Yeah, and Stephen King was inspired to write this story apparently when he met uh, his mechanic's intimidating dog while having his motorcycle repaired one day. That actually happened to me one time early years ago. I was at a mechanic's shop, and there was a really intimidating dog, just kind of a guard dog. And, yeah, that can... It can be scary because you don't know to make a move, yeah. you know, even when the owner is right there. So he took that inspiration and wrote Cujo, and I did not. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm happy to talk about it. It's definitely not my favorite King adaptation. And I remember when I saw it the first time, I just outright didn't like it when I saw it when I was a kid. I just didn't like it at all. I revisited it as an adult. And, and it's a little bit like when I saw, I mean, I loved Poltergeist when I saw it the first time. But mm -hmm. when I saw it the first time, I was a little kid and I really saw it from the perspective of Carol Ann. Sure. When yeah. I saw it as an adult, first of all, I realized that Joe Beth Williams was amazing. And it was so much more gut-wrenching as an adult with a child yeah. to watch that movie. Yeah. Pit, uh, to a lesser degree, Cujo is the same thing. Yep. You know, when I was a kid, I was thinking of myself as a boy with asthma who's trapped inside the car. And then as an adult, when you can see it through D. Wallace his eyes, you're like, oh my god, this is the worst thing that could ever possibly happen. And it's a lot more gut-wrenching for me as an adult to watch the film. Boy, how many times has that device been used? A child <laughs> yeah. with asthma, some sort of breathing oh, yeah, treatment yeah. or needs uh, some sort of medicine? Sometimes it's good, though. Signs. Yeah. They did signs, a nice job of it in signs. Panic room. Oh yeah, panic They've room. used it, yeah. yeah. It's no, a, it happens a lot. Well, and it instantly, as you just mentioned, it ties into the fears yeah. that parents have. They can't protect their children. Yeah. And that's such a primal, primal instinct for a parent and it's interesting that you bring that up, how, how a movie will change for you when you see it different times of your life, mm -hmm. different perspectives, uh, very much so. And this one has characters. If you have seen a lot of Stephen King uh, films or read the books, you know the uh, sheriff character, played by Tom Skerritt, also appears in The Dead Zone. Mm -hmm. And that is a character that has gone through some of the books. But here, with his death, 
that's the reason there's a new sheriff in subsequent films like uh, The Dark Half you, and uh, Needful Things. You get a new sheriff because mm-hmm. of the sheriff's death in this movie. So, yeah, you know, he uses that. King has used that Castle Rock so many yeah, times. Yes. So you're going to see it as a, as a thread that uh, goes throughout the different As a town not movies. to visit. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> shit happens. That's right. In Castle Rock. And they have scary dogs, even though they really just want to lick you. Uh, Cujo, number five from 1983 on our Scary Dogs Countdown. Moving it up to number four, another favorite. Well, this is at least a favorite of mine. I don't know how yeah, much you like it better than I do. Favorite it is of yours. This is from 1976. Mysterious deaths around an American ambassador. Could the child that he is raising actually be the Antichrist, the devil's own son? It's the omen. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. I was at the hospital, Mr. Thorne, the night your son was born. I saw its mother. You saw my wife. Its mother. What is it you're trying to say? His mother was a This is not a human child. Make no mistake. Gregory Peck. Lee Remick. The Omen. Well, you think about the dogs in this movie, and you think about Mrs. Blaylock's dog. Yes. That's the main thing. Oh, yeah. And Oh, yeah, because you could talk about the sort of hyena hybrid dogs, the dogs yeah. that are at the cemetery, but the main right. one is the Hound of Hell right. that Mrs. Blaylock brings home to, to be Damien's friend. And that's such a great scene, the first one, where, you know, it's like the man's house, and he's like, get this dog out <laughs> of my house and away from my son. She's amazing that's in that the movie. Thing. That's the thing. When you talk about the dog, you you have to go right to what a great character Mrs. Blaylock was in Billy Whitelaw, yeah. who, who played her. And apparently, originally, the, the uh, nanny character was not written that way. Ooh. Just a very protective uh, kind of character. And then Billy Whitelaw just took it another direction. Man, does it benefit so much. She oh, is yeah. so increasingly quietly menacing. Oh, yeah. And Alpha. Yeah. You know, oh, it's like, yeah. regardless of what else he thinks is happening in his household, she's managing things. <laughs> yeah. She's great. Yeah. She's great. And the dog is scary. The dog is scary. Yeah. Rottweiler. Yeah. Again, they had a big problem with it being too friendly. <laughs> all, <laughs> all it wanted to do was lick and play with co-stars rather than threaten them. But, you know, white uh, Rottweilers have that menacing look yeah, they about do. them. Mm-hmm. They look very powerful, and they are. Yeah. Um, but after this movie... Uh, interest and uh, ownership of, of Rottweilers went up. Yeah, I, that that doesn't surprise me because it really did. Then I think, as, even in films and in TV shows, I remember from the, back in the day when I was a kid, whenever there was a scary dog, you know, at the, when mm-hmm. when Magnum was trying to break into somebody's house or something. <laughs> when I was a little kid. They always had Rottweilers. Everybody had a Rottweiler. Now it's pit bulls, of course. But at the time when I was a kid, it yeah. was Rottweilers. Everybody's afraid of. But beyond. Mrs. Blaylock's dog, the main dog, you do talk about, you just mentioned, the cemetery attack. And yeah. that's a big one because that's a pivotal part in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I don't know if it's still on YouTube, um, for the close-up shots of that, they used oh, yeah. dogs, a dog, a fake dog's head on sticks. Yes. And you can see there's some behind-the-scenes stuff when they were filming it. And it's it's pretty funny yeah. to watch now. But, of course, you, you watch it in the movie. And it's quick cuts, you know, quick editing and just real close-up shots. Oh, yeah, because Richard Donner is a good director. Yeah. <laughs> and it, <laughs> It certainly makes it scary because you know when they go into that cemetery, you know it's not going to be good. No. And then when you see the dogs start chasing them, you know they're going to they're going to catch them. So that's a scary that's a scary scene. It is. But it definitely comes back to the main hound of hell there yes. with Mrs. Blaylock. Yeah. Very very scary. And there's another good 
animal scene, not dogs, but with the baboons. Yes, that's you know, scary. That yeah, is. that 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 is it. That and it's not like like Cujo. A great deal of what makes that so effective is that they are trapped inside a car mm-hmm. with these massive animals outside of it trying to attack them. It's really creepy. And I, as I think we've talked about before, when we talked about the omen. It was interesting how they had to get those, what they had to do to get those baboons react that way. They tried. The, the, the dog toys? The, did they the, use dog toys? <laughs> they didn't use dog toys <laughs> or Cairo syrup. They tried. The handlers thought that taking a baby baboon inside the car would really rile them up. Nope. Didn't, didn't care at all. They took the alpha male of the pack, and then the baboons went crazy. Yikes. Yeah, and they did not like that at all and got some really... Really authentic reactions from Lee Remick in the car because those baboons were going nuts. Nice. And that's a scary one, too. So, yeah, I do. I think I like The Omen uh, better than you do. Um, I think it's pretty effective. And it also, I know you appreciate the very, very end because it just pretty much steals the look from the bad seed. Oh, yeah. You know, when yes. Damien turns and just gives you that smile. Oh, yeah. You know, I won. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's not that I dislike the film. I don't. It's a great movie. And there are a lot of really amazing moments in it. And I also do think that uh, Harvey Stevens, who plays Damien, uh, is just perfect. Yeah. He's just perfect. <laughs> because he's, I mean, in every scene, he's adorable and terrifying. It's like simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, he's great. It's iconic. And, and then, of course, it's all for you, oh, Damien. Yeah. Yeah. There are some great moments. There mm-hmm. really are. And Harvey Stevens didn't really go on to have a career, no. but he does show up in the remake. Yeah. He's the tabloid uh, journalist, which is a nice... We were just talking about that over the weekend. We were just talking amongst ourselves about movies that get get remade yeah. and ones that give a character, give an actor from the first yes. movie. Sometimes it works, like in this in this right. instance, that's great. And other times, you're like, no, I don't want to see... Uh, was it Joker we were talking about? No, it was actually Blade. Blade. Uh, the new, the the new, new Blade. Blade. And uh, Mahershala Ali is going to play Blade. Right. And a lot of people just think that... Well, because we were talking about Dolomite. Right. Um, and a lot of people think Wesley Snipes should still be playing Blade. And and right there, immediately, if the guy who won two Oscars in two years wants to play the vampire in your movie, you say <laughs> you yes. It. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but it, then people are saying, well, he should have he should have a, a small part. part, which I I disagree with. I don't think that. And we, then the other one we talked about was um, Fury Road. People said, well, Mel Gibson should have had. No, I disagree because exactly. Fury Road, first of all, is perfect. It is perfect, and that would have to, to me that one would have broken the spell. Yeah. a little bit. Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's perfect. Like I brought up Suspiria. Yeah, the new the Suspiria. New Suspiria mm, they yeah. find a part perfect. for the original uh, Jessica Harper. Yeah, that one was perfect. So sometimes I guess it's a case by case basis. Sometimes it works, and I think it works in the update of the Omen. Yeah little part. Oh, and even if you didn't know, you might look at his face and go, hey, that guy. (laughs) So, yeah, so the omen back to the Hound of Hell, which never, that dog, it was never referred to by a name. You never hear it called by a name, which is kind of perfect, too. Yeah, it is. So uh, the omen, number four on our list of scary dogs. And it's one of, I mean, I wanted to point out a handful of other just great one-off scary dogs. Like, Uh that's, you know, they don't have names and they don't have parts, but they're just really terrifying dogs. And movies that do it well, Green Room. Oh, yeah. And Don't Breathe. Yes. Just two movies that you are definitely scared for the characters because of these dogs. an added bonus for Green Room is how they sort of get out of the danger of yeah, the dog. Yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. 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 Th- I mean, th- those are really, you know, just, just important elements of terror yes. in those films. A couple, like, that's the whole point of film. The pack, the breed, they're not great movies, and they and, and I don't think they use them very well. And I feel like a lot of times horror films, they do themselves a better 
service if they if they use the dog sparingly. If the mm-hmm. dog is supposed to be scary, which is why I think the Omen Green Room and Don't Breathe perfect. Yeah, really nice. So let's move up to number three, and this is a lot more recent from 2007. Years after a plague kills most of humanity and transforms the rest into monsters, the sole survivor in New York City struggles valiantly to find a cure. I am Legend. I'm not. I'm not infected. I'm not infected. Please. Nothing happened the way it was supposed to happen. Six billion people on Earth when the infection hit. I'm a survivor living in New York City. I will be at the South Street Seaport every day at midday when the sun is highest in the sky. God didn't do this. We did. So if, if the dog isn't being used in a horror film to terrify you, it is being used to break your heart. Even though I don't care for the film, I am legend, and I, yeah, it's borderline horror, but it is a zombie movie. Yep. It is, you know, that dog, that dog, Sam. Oh, that broke my heart. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's probably the most emotional moment in the entire film, and and probably the best moment of acting Will Smith does in the whole movie is well, when that dog goes missing. It's not just you. Uh, the death of Sam the dog was voted online as one of the saddest film scenes of all time. Wow. <laughs> well, it worked. You know because... what? They didn't see. Train to Busan. <laughs> no, no, it's great and and awful simultaneously. Because you're so, by that time you're so invested. Yeah, you know that dog is a character and is it's a everything very, to this yes, this man. It's yes. all there is to this man who's now completely bereft and alone on planet Earth. Yeah, it's effective. Yeah, the dog's name was Abby, uh, who played Sam and was found in a kennel. Uh, the animal trainer found Abby in a kennel. Had, just because she had the right look, had never been trained, had only just a few weeks to get her up to speed, and oh man, God. what a great, what a great performance! They, so good on the scenes when uh, she had to limp, they put a little piece of tape on her paw, so it was kind of you know made her jump up a little bit, and yeah, just really, really well done, and a great. You could see there was a great bond between Will Smith and the dog. You really could. Once they got the dog up to speed with training. Will Smith went on what he called dates with the dog, oh, you know, just, yeah. just to bond. And you're right. And all of that, by the time you, you've gone through all that ordeal, it's incredibly sad. It is. It's incredibly sad. It is. And it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> it is supposed to be sad. I mean, it's an, yeah, it's a very, uh, it's an important growth moment. And it, yeah, and it just breaks your heart. What I thought was funny, too, about um, reading about Will Smith making this movie, he said they had to film a lot of it. In New York City, they had to shut down a lot of streets, and that meant he got, quote, a lot of middle fingers. <laughs> you know, I don't care if you're Will Smith. That's right. I'm driving here. <laughs> That's funny. But uh, it certainly, yeah, it has its moments. It's been done. It was based on a, um, a novel by Richard Matheson. And then it was Omega Man, of Omega course. Omega Man yeah. with Charlton Heston. was also done as, in, a, in a different adaptation before that in 1964 as The Last Man on Earth with oh, Vincent, Vincent Price. Oh, Vincent Price, right, yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, all, all based on the uh, same novel by Richard Matheson, who also wrote Duel. Yes. We were just talking about we that the other day. So It's a time-honored story. It got this uh, very science fiction-y slash horror update. Yeah. And it, it does. It has some scary, effective moments. All in all, you're right, it's not a great movie. No. But it has some merit. Yeah, and uh, you just can't you just can't leave it off a list of, of you know, dogs and horror movies. No, not at all. Although there are a lot of tragic dogs to choose from. Snowtown Murders, that one, that one kills me. The Babadook, oh my God, it comes at night, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Greta, Jaws. Pippet. That's right. Pippet. <laughs> Audition. The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. There are so many. Oh, Hounds, uh, of, Hounds love. of Love. Oh, I wish, yeah. Hounds of Love and The Wailing. I mean, there are so many 
just tragic dogs in horror movies. Well, we talked when we talked with Ben Young. Yeah. When Ben Young was nice enough to call in, we talked about that scene because that was very traumatic. Not only in Hounds of Love, yeah, yes, for the actors. Hounds of, yes, for the actors, as you know, for us because it's so heart wrenching. Oh my god, what, it what is. What you do to a dog, Aww. but then it, yeah, yeah, that one is. I'd forgotten about that one, yeah. but I uh, shouldn't have. No. So I am legend number three. On our list of scary dogs and sad dogs. And sad dogs. Definitely. Horror does not treat dogs well. It doesn't. <laughs> it's a genre. it knows you love it, them. I know. I know. It knows. Horror filmmakers know. You may not give a shit what I do to these people, but when I kill this dog, you're going to be so unhappy. You're damn right. That's true. Uh, from 2014. That's where we're going for number two. This is a movie that... Have we ever talked about this? Maybe once? We did in uh, a Mental Illness. Uh, okay. Okay. It's good because it's one that... Slips through a lot of cracks, but everybody that's seen it likes it. It's a likable guy pursuing his office crush with the help of his evil talking pets. But things turn sinister when she stands him up for a date. It's the voices. Do you ever hear voices? Not really. Jerry. Hey, Fiona. In her eyes, you're a ridiculous peasant. Kill her, and you will discover what it feels like to be truly alive. Don't run! <laughs> Mr. Whiskers, he makes me do bad things. You totally stopped taking the pills, didn't you? Yeah! Mr. Whiskers! Dr. Warren! Fiona, cut it out! Pretty complicated inside the human mind, huh? So the first thing to know is, if you haven't seen this movie, we have it in our 2020 yeah. program. Yeah. So you're welcome. We are going to show it at the Gateway Film Center. And in that podcast, we're going to talk about cats. Yes, perfect. Cats and horror. But today, we're going to talk about the dog. And the cat and the dog are, and the lead, they're all Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Um, Ryan Reynolds, he thinks that he hears his dog, who's Bosco, who's just a sweet hound, basically <laughs> voice of reason, maybe yeah. a bit of a dullard, but, you know, good-hearted. And then the cat, who's, of course, evil. <laughs> Yeah, and originally it was, the, the plan was not for Ryan Reynolds to do all those voices. He had to convince the director, Marjane Satrapi, by sending her recording after recording after recording of him doing different voices specifically tailored for each of the animals. And he said a lot of them were based on uh, friends of his or people that he knew. <laughs> but uh, So he had to convince her. That was originally was not in the plan, but it works. Yeah, and, and he's great. And it's funny. I'm really sorry that, that the movie didn't make any money when it came I know, out. Because, because it yeah. got great reviews. Yeah, and so Trappy had... She, she wrote and directed Persepolis, which is one of the greatest cinematic graphic novel adaptations ever. She wrote... Persepolis, mm -hmm. the, the graphic novel, based on her life. The whole thing is fascinating. And, and then I thought to myself, and the next thing she does is a horror movie. Yeah. Hooray! And, it, and it's so good. And it's got such a great cast. So it's not just Ryan Reynolds, Gemma Arterton, Anna Kendrick, Jackie Weaver. I mean, it's yeah. it's really, and it's touching and, uh, and subversive and funny and sweet. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, before it even got made, it was one of those that was named on a blacklist. Mm -hmm. The blacklist is the list of the most liked unmade scripts of that year. This was on the blacklist from 2009. And then once it did get made, now at the time, Ryan Reynolds was not the star that he is today, but still. But 2009, I mean, he was a star. Yeah, he was. But it, it just was one of those head scratchers because it had the cast. It had very positive reviews. It had good word of mouth from everybody that did see it. Yeah. But yet no one really went to see it. No, it I, don't, I think it didn't have... It didn't have really wide distribution, and it didn't have any kind of marketing, because mm -hmm. uh, we would have seen the marketing, <laughs> yeah. and it would have played Columbus, and it didn't. Yeah, and I'm, so, I'm glad that it's going to be on our Fright Club, right? because I think that's a perfect movie for what a lot of times you and we try to do, is reintroduce these movies. And I think there's going to be a lot of people there that night, I'm hoping, 
that haven't seen it that are going to be sort of like Train Busan the yeah. other night. The people that hadn't seen Train to Busan after it was over came out of there like, man, I love yeah. that movie. You can't not love that movie. Yeah. It's and impossible I, not to love Train to Busan. I think the same thing is going to happen here. So I'm really glad that we're, uh, we're going to get it up there because it's, it's also weird when you look at it, even if you watch the trailer, to call it a horror movie. Yeah. Although it is, a lot of people die. A lot of people die. There's a lot of blood in this movie. You know what? I just really want to quick. Here, just the top of my head, the movies that a lot of people didn't see, but because a lot of times people will come and God bless you for doing it. You take a risk and you come and you leave and go, I can't believe they put me through this. Right? And I and we apologize for those. But the ones everybody has loved and not a lot of people have seen, Juan of the Dead. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, see it. Yep. Was Everybody loved it and loved nobody it. had seen it. And the last horror movie, which is actually really hard to get, but everybody loves it and nobody had seen it. And the lead reminds me of John Taylor from Duran Duran. So if you're a Duran Duran fan, is a voted extra reason to see it. Train to Busan. But don't see the voices yet. Come see it with us. Yes. So we'll keep you posted on when that is going to be. That's going to be part of the 2020 yep. calendar for Fright Club at Gateway Film Center. So that is uh, that is our number two. And we also want to talk about one more talking dog. And this is not really a horror film, but it's a horrifying film. A Boy and His Dog. Yeah, Don and, Johnson. Yeah, and that's the main character is the talking dog, mm-hmm. Max. Yeah. And horrible things happen in it. And it's maybe yeah. the most misogynist movie that isn't a porno <laughs> ever made. But it's still... <laughs> You know, it's it's smart. Yeah, it's hard to watch, but there is a talking dog who's really well done and yep. is the main character of the movie. There you go, boy and his dog um, gets a mention. As we move up to number one, you could probably guess it, maybe, in our list of scary dogs from 1982. A research team in where Antarctica <laughs> is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. The thing. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. It takes us over, and it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? We can beat one of those things! Something that I don't know. We've had, we've talked about this movie three hundred oh, million yeah. times because it's just genius and yeah. it shows up in so many lists. Yep. But here's something that I don't think we've ever mentioned before, and it always reminds me of you. Bill Lancaster wrote the thing, the screenplay for this film, mm. and he only did one other movie. Uh, well, he did a franchise, Bad News Bears. Yes, this two for two right there, my friend. You oh. can, you know, that's you. If you write the thing in the Bad News Bears, you can just hang it up and oh. go. I can't go anywhere for, but down from here. Man, I'm done now. Did I love the Bad News <laughs> Bears when I was a kid? Oh man, that's great. Yeah, that's a career. That's a career. Nicely done, my friend. In this one, of course, you talk about the dog. You start talking about dog slash thing mm-hmm. because that comes to play. But there's that great moment. Um, early on when the dog wanders down the hallway and pauses outside the door and we see the shadow of someone beckoning the dog to come here. And John Carpenter, this is another case of one of those details that directors are consumed with, and I think you would look at it and go, "What, what does that matter? He made sure that the person whose shadow that was was not one of the main cast members, uh-huh. just so no one would know. No one in the audience would go, oh, I know who that yeah, is. Exactly. You know, I love that. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, John Carpenter is, is clearly a genius as a filmmaker, and Although Halloween, we love Halloween. Everybody loves Halloween. It's an incredibly iconic and important film. This is his best movie. Everything about this movie is so incredibly well thought out. And it's such a great combination of everything he had done in the past because he hadn't always done horror. So it brings in a lot of the sort of very male-dominated action film kind of stuff that he was doing and obviously the horror stuff. And it was just, it's just such a, such a perfect 
And it moved sci-fi into an uglier direction than we'd ever seen before. So it fit the, the time period as well. It was really groundbreaking. And that's why it's so funny to think about how it didn't get the credit when it came out. No. You know what's interesting? Hellbent for Horror. S.A. Bradley. So S.A. Bradley of Hellbent for Horror. Yeah. He has a book. And it's great. Oh, yeah. And he has this great segment. Uh, he went to see that movie, The Thing, John Carpenter's, when it came out with his dad, who was a major fan of the original Think From Outer Space. Think and, From Another World. Sorry. Think From Another World. And his dad and everybody in the theater hated, hated John Carpenter's The Thing. They hated it. They were so mad. And S.A. Bradley, he, he talks about how it's because it didn't do anything they wanted it to do. The good guys don't come out on top. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything mm-hmm. about it was very political and very of that moment. And those people weren't used to science fiction doing that. And they, they, they wanted to see this cherished memory from their childhood that they wanted to share with their children and it was it's a fascinating take on that movie also it shouldn't go without saying but what other alien came out the exact same year et et yeah the nice fuzzy take you home and eat some candy type of yes. alien so yeah and there's another it, it really touched every bit of the film because even the score and the score was done by morricone yeah and it was nominated the score yeah was nominated for a razzie that That's year. crazy. But then, but then, get this: some of the unused music from that score he morphed into the score for *The Hateful Eight, which finally, finally won, won him, him an, an Oscar. Oscar. I mean, it's That's just, so great. It, all through this movie, it just didn't get the due. And you know, until *The Hateful Eight is so—they're so trapped by that snow. What a perfect, yeah. what a perfect next movie to use that yeah. stuff for. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and uh, we're supposed to be talking about the dog. Yes, but. Um, <laughs> One of the things that well, set it apart, you know, so often, like I said, the dog in a horror film is either scary, right, or or tragic, mm-hmm. and and this one it's both. Yep. Because when you see the, it's so it's just beautiful. It's this beautiful animal, and you love it. And then I know a lot of people don't like the Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Really? Remake. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really kind of a prequel. Right. Which you don't find out. And the dog. Until the dog. Right. I know. And that's my favorite moment of that film is when you see the dog running and you see the helicopter and you're like, oh my God, it's it's a a prequel. prequel. (laughs) It's so great. I did. I love that. I love that about it. I did. It was okay. Yeah, it was. It was was fine. It was. Yeah. So Um, it really didn't turn out. When when you went to see it, we all thought it was a remake. Right. You find out it wasn't. And the dog, the original dog from the 1982 thing was a uh, Norwegian dog. It was a... Half wolf, half Malamute breed. Wow, it was beautiful. Huh? It was a was beautiful, beautiful dog. Name was Jed. Jed. But uh, but inter- I love him. What a good boy. <laughs> but interestingly enough, he was not used for that beginning chase scene, uh, where the where it's, he's being shot at. That turns out to be the the, the last scene in the uh, in the other one, in the newest one, because on the DVD commentary, John Carpenter has said they used another dog and just painted it to look like Jed. <laughs> Don't really know why. But the, the main dog was Jed. Yeah, half wolf. I love nice. that. Nice. I know How you sweet do. Is that? And also the dog thing, the effects all through this movie are still today looked at as they very, really, very it's groundbreaking. And you, you would never expect something to age that well. Right. Effects rarely do, but these do. Yeah, and the effects were created by Rob Botton, only 22 when he started the project. Yeah. But he did not do the dog thing. Oh. He turned that over to effects legend Stan Winston. Right, 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 right. right. Who uh, declined an actual credit in the movie, but he gets a thank you. Mm. He gets a thank you in the credits because apparently Botton was just so tired. He had so, done so many dogs. <laughs> he said, if I have to do one more mechanical dog, I'm going to go nuts. So he turned the dog thing over to Stan Winston. Wow. And, yeah, pretty uh, good impressive. Hands. Yeah. Good hands. Good hands indeed. But that you're right. All through the effects of this movie still today. Yeah. I mean, of course, they don't look like they would look today, but they're pretty darn yeah. good. No, I do. I think they stand up pretty you well. Know, this many years later, 
uh, no doubt. And that's just one of the reasons why the thing just keeps getting the credit it didn't get right. at the time. And I think you're right. I think it's his best movie. The thing from 1982, The Dog Thing, number one in our scary dogs. Any more dogs in this uh, kind of a category to mention? I don't think so. I think the only dog that I haven't really discussed in any way that deserves a mention, just so that you don't make the mistake of watching it, is Zoltan, Hound of Dracula. It's so bad. It's the most boring movie in the history of movies. It's but, so bad. But it made me laugh. <laughs> well, let, did we miss any dogs like we missed Maximum Overdrive? Let us know uh, if you have any on your list that uh, didn't make ours. You can always find us on Twitter. That's the easiest way. Fright Club Pod. On Twitter, also on Facebook and Instagram, it is Mad Wolf Columbus, and the main website, which where you can find all of our written reviews of all the new movies that come out, and our other podcast, The Screening Room. You can all find that on our main website at MadWolf.com. Well, we talked about the next Fright Club Live, which Mm -hmm. is coming up on Mm -hmm. November the thirteenth. Yes, you can also expect in November we're going to cover the best horror films of the decade as we come to a close in this decade. Man, it's a big list. And we were just talking the other night at home. This is going to be tough. Yeah, it is. Going to be. I mean, you're talking about leaving some great movies off a list. Well, it's, it's funny. Without any research, off the top of my head, I have 30. Yeah. That I and I don't know how to prune it. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this it's was been, a it really been, good decade. Oh my God, it has been. It really, really has been. And then, of course, uh, December will do the best of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Time Plus, is flying. You know the the movie we're showing in December. At Fright Club Live, you chose. Yes, American Psycho. And so people are psyched. Bring your business cards, and we will compare and try not to let the veins pop out of our heads when somebody's is better because it has a watermark. No, I know they're excited. They, and they should be. This is going to yeah, be fun. It is going to be. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I know it's it's one of Jen Dreadful's That's most right. favorite movies. So Jen, if you can make it, little <laughs> Christmas uh, Christmas trip east, we'd love to have you. So yeah, a lot to look forward to. Keep in touch if you can. And as always, until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. <laughs>